Hello and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, boys and girls. It is that day, the 19th of October. The NBA season tips off and so do we here with our season preview. We've had our division-by-division looks today. We put it all together in a season preview. I'm Adam Shelton, joined by Kurt Schroeder. Kurt, how's the weather out there in Reno? Just looking out my window right now, Adam. Perfect. Some clouds in the sky, but a clear day. I imagine it's still pretty cold outside as we get into those winter temperatures, but can't complain. How are things on your end in Chicago? Uh, Not too bad. I I love this time of year, actually. It's uh, really my favorite time of year for so many reasons. I I have my birthday coming up. That's exciting. Uh, But also you have this beautiful uh, crossover where the NFL is starting to get really exciting. And then basketball season starts up too. And my favorite two sports to watch are football and basketball. And I love how I have that crossover all the way through February. My least favorite season of the year is winter for obvious reasons, but it's so great when you get to really just like dive into all these sports and, you know, it's league pass season. Now Uh, I know how I'm going to be spending my nights and just watching so many of these games, really soaking it up as much as I can this year, especially we have such a deep era Uh, for the NBA, so many special young players. And, you know, I I talk to a lot of old heads, let's say, or people, uh, I I do some bartending and I'll have people talk to me about basketball. And I'm like, oh, I don't like to watch anymore because the game's not physical anymore. And uh, ever since Michael Jordan retired, it's been a a drop off in talent. And I'm like, hey, old man, look, open your eyes. I, I used to work with this chef named Joel. And I would look for something and he would, it would be right in front of me and he would go open eyes. So open eyes. All right. Like look in front of you. We have such a special time to be a basketball fan. You know, everyone knows the LeBron James and, you know, the Kevin Durant's the the James Harden's even the Luka Doncic who represents this new wave, but you have the Shy Gilgis Alexanders, you have the LaMelo Balls, you have the Jalen Suggs, uh, the Christian Woods, you have so many exciting young players and a lot of players who have uh, legit potential to be one of the best ever. You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is coming in, fighting for a legacy where he could retire a top five player of all time. And this is where he starts to build on what has already been an unbelievable Elijahwan-esque, Jordan-esque legacy. Uh, Luka Doncic gets to go uh, see if he can prove it with Jason Kidd. We get to get the jury out on Jason Kidd. We have uh, Clay Thompson returning. We have the Monstars out in L.A., uh, fresh off the Looney Tunes set straight into the NBA season. Uh, The LeBron James-led Los Angeles Lakers. You have the the Jazz and the Suns who are going to run it back. Uh, John Morant is on the up and up. I mean, there's too many guys to get into. And that's why we're going to get into everyone a little bit here today. But it's just an amazing time to be a basketball fan in really an amazing, I'd call it a golden era for the NBA right now that we're starting to come into. Now, a couple of quick thoughts before we dive into this, Adam. We have two games going on tonight to open up that regular season. So... Definitely something. I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast in the first place is to uh, preview some of these matchups. So, if I could just get my computer to work here for me, Adam, we're gonna at least tell you what those matchups are. We we got uh, Bucks Nets, 
And that's uh, 6.30 Central Time, followed by uh, Lakers-Warriors. I can't remember if that's in uh, Oakland or L.A., though. It's in L.A. It's in L.A. Yeah, those should be some good ones. Uh, We'll get into this later, but I think either one of those games could go either way. But, shoot, put some respect on the Bucs, man. (laughs) Like, they won the championship for a reason. Uh, I know a lot of people are super high in the nets, have them coming out of the East. I think this particular game goes either way, but if, if you aren't <laughs> aware the Milwaukee Bucks, man, they, I think they should win this game on their home court. Uh, but I could also see a world where, you know, they, they get beat by a really good nets team. That's healthy. Uh, the nets are going to be wanting revenge. They're going to have some blood on their mind. Uh, but overall, I think the defense and rebounding the Bucks should really bode well for them. And what a time to have those two games. Just kind of easing us into the NBA season with two phenomenal matchups as opposed to uh, a couple teams that are maybe smaller market or less popular. So right off the bat, two games, two, or I guess it would be four juggernaut teams. And we're going to explain later on in this episode where we have those four teams along with all the other teams that are going to fit into the playoff picture or not be in the playoff picture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's, let's uh, quickly predict this Lakers warriors. Who you got in that? I know you're kind of a, a dubs fan. Yeah. I think that right now I'd probably go with the Lakers just because we know that the warriors are down. Uh, Clay Thompson is not with the team in terms of being able to play. Um, so he'll be eased into the mix. I think that the latest reports were sometimes around, around Christmas. That is the optimistic viewpoint, but could be around that January, February mark. So, you know, there are a lot of new pieces with the Warriors, a lot of rookies, a lot of young talent there. Um, and then the Lakers are still trying to figure out what their rotations are going to look like. They brought in a lot of new players as well. Um, but having said that, I think that the Lakers are just the more veteran team for obvious reasons and uh, have played well together um, in, in camp. And so I would go with the Lakers if I had to make a pick right now. But having said that, will the Lakers be the better team down the road? We'll discuss later on. Right, right. Yeah, I think the Lakers should win just on sheer talent. Both teams kind of feeling each other out. Uh, but I also never bet against Steph Curry. I'll predict against Steph Curry, but I'm not going to place any money uh, for my own bank account against Steph Curry tonight. I'm staying away from both of these games, frankly. I'm just going to watch. Uh, I am a, a bit of a gambling man. You know, it's legal in the great state of Illinois, uh, as it is in Nevada, too. Uh, but I don't like to piss away my money either. <laughs> and I think either of these games could go either way. Uh, I do think the likely winners would be Bucks and Lakers. I think I agree with that. Shall we uh, jump in beginning out East with our uh, worst of first rankings? Yes, we should. Go ahead, Fu. All right. So the way we're going to do this is quickly get through the teams that really aren't in the play-in picture or playoff picture. So those teams for me, 15 through 11, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I think are going to be a fun little offensive team, but uh, I just don't see how that's going to work. A bit of a log jam in the front court. And you got some talent on that team, but I, I'm thinking that the back court defensively is going to be a huge problem. And depending on Lowry Markinen, uh the front court defense could be a huge problem too. Uh, Kevin Love can't move as well as he can. I just think the Cavs are a good candidate to be, 
to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. Next, I have the Washington Wizards. And it was tough to put them at 14 because I could put them at 12. I could maybe even put them at 11. I think that 14 through 11 is uh, pretty interchangeable. But I just don't know what their identity is going to be because it was so about Russell Westbrook last year. So I don't know about them. Uh, then I got the Pistons, a really young team. We'll see how good Cade Cunningham is. I really like Isaiah Stewart. If you listen to our uh, Central Division preview, you know that I'm very high on this team as far as like the way they're starting to bring it together, but they're a few years away. Uh, then the Magic, who are kind of the land of misfit toys, but they have some good talent. Uh, Jalen Suggs should be really nice at this next level. And then just barely missing it, but a team to be reckoned with, a team that will continue to improve long-term is the Charlotte Hornets. Wow, Adam, I think that we have differences at all five of those picks. So my uh, number 15 team, I have the Detroit Pistons. I think okay. that they're still trying to find out, you know, who they are as a team. A lot of good young pieces, but I just don't think they're as deep or as talented right now um, as, as the roster is currently constructed. So I have them as the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Then I have the Orlando Magic at 14. We mentioned in the uh, preview episode in the Southeast, that they have a, a lot of pieces there at the guard position, but not a ton of scoring. And so when you're bottom third of the league in scoring and you're kind of wondering where the defense is coming from, those aren't areas where you, you want to be uh, kind of like lo looking in on. You want to be a better in either one of those positions. And of course, if you're a really good team, you're better in both of those positions. But if you struggle at both, you're going to be a struggling basketball team. Uh, 13, I have the Cavs. I like the raw talent. Uh, on this team. I, I agree with you in terms of, I don't like the fits. I don't know where people are going to get minutes. I don't know who is going to contribute what, I don't know if someone's going to get traded. There is that log jam at the power forward position for sure. Um, but I, I do like their overall talent as a team better than what Orlando and Detroit has right now. And then at 12, I have the Washington wizards kind of a similar position as the Cavs. Some pieces where you look and you, you, you like the names, you like the numbers, you don't know how it all fits together, but you, you kind of hope that they figure it out down the road. And then the first team that I have out of that play-in picture is the Toronto Raptors. And the reason I have them there is they lost, I guess you could say arguably their best player in Kyle Lowry. I, think um, I would take it a step further. I don't think he's the most talented person ever to wear a Raptor uniform, but he is the best Raptor of all time. Wow. Above Vince Carter, above I DeMar DeRozan. About it. He, yeah, he won a championship with those guys. He's been there forever. He really uh, came into his own. He is the Toronto Raptors. It, it would be one thing if Vince won a championship or uh, Chris Bosh stuck around longer, perhaps, or even if uh, Kawhi Leonard stuck around. But as far as you look at legacy, Kyle Lowry is really in a league of his own. And I believe he's first all time in team win shares as well. Yeah. yeah, a guy that you – yeah, that, I mean, that's a pick that I don't think a lot of people would argue. Um, maybe raw talent-wise, there have been a lot of better players on the uh -huh. within the Raptors organization. But when you talk about accomplishments, when you talk about longevity, uh, when you talk about the things that maybe people don't really look at um, in, in a box score, Kyle Lowry definitely checks those boxes. So my first team out of the play-in, I have them at 11, the Toronto Raptors. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think the Raptors are a nice squad. You know, they got Alex Antetokounmpo, and uh, he's going to be a rookie. That's a blatant recruiting tactic. Let's be honest. It's not going to work. Uh, I think that they're fun, though. You know, this, this team only won 27 games last year. 
but that's not to say that they're not dangerous. 27-45 last year, uh, Goran Dragic will come in and be a stabilizing presence on the offensive end. That can be the defensive presence of Kyle Lowry, but he's someone uh, that is going to make them interesting. I have them just inside. Uh, I have them at 10. So we got them around that same area, but I think between Dragic and then you have uh, Fred Van Vliet, that's a solid little backcourt. Uh, don't sleep on Gary Trent Jr. He's someone who I expect to score around 20 a game. Uh, Pascal Siakam and Siakam, I'd like to shoot a little bit better this year, but a versatile defender, a great modern fit. Uh, OG Ananobi, I, I expect to step up. I think they're going to be a fun small ball team. I'm interested to see what happens uh, with the Oregon Duck, Chris Boucher, who showed he can be one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. And then uh, Precious Achua, I think, is a super underrated pickup for them too. So I, I think that the Raptors have a little bit more talent than they're given credit for. And I think that they're actually quietly one of the very best defensive teams in the NBA. I'd be curious to see how Scotty Barnes contributes to this team. Uh, a guy who scored 10 a game at Florida State. Uh, didn't play a ton, only started seven games with the Seminoles, but uh, 50% from the field. Uh, you got to have those shooting numbers from the outside go up a little bit, just 27% from three. But really like his athleticism, really like him as a, an athletic wing who can kind of play both ways. Um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, the Raptors get out of Scotty Barnes because they took him really high in the draft at fourth overall. So one more time, what's your 15 through 11? 15 through 11. I have Pistons, Magic, Cavs, Wizards, Raptors. Okay, so I'm guessing you have Hornets at 10. I have Hornets at 10. Let's talk about it. All right. I like the upside, and I like the way they were trending last year. Um, there were times where at the very beginning of the season looked like one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then LaMelo Ball got his minutes. He started. And I think that this is a team where it's a no-brainer to obviously start him at the point guard position. He was the rookie of the year last year. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that they kind of take off uh, maybe a little bit quicker than they did last year. So they don't have that ground to make up that they did last year. I just really like the way that they were trending. Uh, we talked about the contributions of LaMelo. Uh, Terry Rozier, I think, is a wildly underrated scorer. Gordon Hayward, if he can stay remotely healthy, I think that he'll be good. Uh, P.J. Washington is also a guy who's kind of ascended. Um, and then I really like the addition of James Booknight, a guy that they got in the draft um, who can really help them from a scoring standpoint. The thing that you're looking for with that team is just can they be better defensively? But I like their depth. I like their youth. I like their athleticism. I like their ability to get out and run and get some easy buckets in transition. And I just like their their construction. I feel like they have people in more solidified roles than those other teams that I mentioned. Um, so that's why I have them at 10. And I have them for transparency purposes with the same record as the Raptors, okay. but giving but giving them in 38 and 44, but giving them an, ed, an edge in the uh, a tiebreaker situation. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, an underrated fit there is Ish Smith, who a lot of NBA players, and he's been in the league a while now. So I don't know if this is still uh, the word on the street, but for years, he was regarded as the fastest player in the NBA. Uh, a team that is built to run will have a perfect fit in the backup point guard role with Ish Smith. And there's a lot you can do if you want to slide LaMelo up to small forward. You can run with Ish 
Terry Rozier, and then LaMelo Ball, which then gives you the option to slide Gordon Hayward up to power forward. And then uh, you could put Miles Bridges or P.J. Washington at that center spot if you really want to run, or you can uh, do uh, one big man and a bunch of guys with guard skills by playing Mason Plumlee with those guys. But that's going to be a really good team. It's going to be, like I said, built to run. I would like them to uh, prove that they can play against some of the bigger teams in the league. And I I do think that there's some defensive concerns as well. Uh, But yeah, I think that they're right on par with the Toronto Raptors and that one could go either way. Um, I think, like I said, I think the Raptors are just going to be marginally better. Uh, But that's where it gets really interesting because after that Cavs, Wizards, Pistons, Magic, who I think are the clear worst four, uh, then it really is going to be very interesting to see who does wind up getting that play-in spot. Gets really dicey. You have, you have teams who should be better than last year uh, in the Pacers and the Celtics, but really underperformed. And maybe the Sixers take a step back. You know, maybe the Hawks come back down to earth. There's a lot of what ifs, but I think those guys are safely ahead of these fringe teams. Let's call them of the Hornets, Raptors, maybe Pacers. Yep. Um, who do you have at, uh, at nine through seven, Adam? All right. So nine through seven, I have Pacers, Celtics, Sixers. And so uh, I just kind of hinted at some of those teams. I do think that the Indiana Pacers are a very good ball club. I'll just put it plain and simple. Last year was disappointing. Karis Levert is dealing with an injury right now, uh, broken uh, hand. And so he's going to be reevaluated on the 25th. He's going to miss the beginning of the season. That's going to hurt just a little bit. Uh, But I do think that they'll be able to bounce back from that, especially when you consider the depth they have from Chris Duarte. And did I say Chris? Chris Duarte. Uh, and Jeremy Lamb, who, who's terrific. I, I also like Keelan Martin. Uh, and so I think they kind of have a underrated bench. I've always liked TJ McConnell. But the obvious guys here who are going to make contributions is Malcolm Brogdon, who's just everything you want in an NBA point guard. I think he's like somebody who is a, a A-minus all around. He is going to be able to get you six rebounds and nine assists, and he can give you – uh, 20 points on a given night. I believe last year he averaged 20 points per game and that was a career high for him. Uh, you talk about a guy who's got a perfect build for the guard position. It's 6'5", 230. I don't think people realize just how big he is. He's uh, 28 years old right now and uh, going to be turning 29 soon. He's in the prime of his career, coming off a career year uh, with 21 points per game. Uh, he's always been a very steady three-point shooter, 38% on his career. Uh, His assist number was down slightly last year uh, at 5.9. I think that is not a knock on him as much as it is that DeMontis Sabonis is the true number one playmaker on that team, but just a good all-around guard. And then speaking of Sabonis, I believe that you're bringing a really good uh, coach into the fold here in Rick Carlisle. And I believe that you will see a different type of team in Indiana things are going to run through Sabonis as they should 
And I don't think this will happen, but Sabonis is going to, in a best case scenario for the Pacers, be in MVP consideration. Let's say the Pacers overperform. Sabonis is going to have a stat line of maybe 24, 11, and 8. And he'll probably get a block a game too. Uh, He's going to get some steals. They didn't use him well last year. And it was an issue. And you saw him checking himself out of games late. Literally, there was a game where he took himself out of the game because he was so frustrated. If he's a focal point, he's a superstar. And I really do believe in that Indiana Pacers under Rick Carlisle. Uh, They're going to be able to turn that switch back on. You have injuries concerns with Levert and TJ Warren, of course. But Pacers should be on the way up. Now, I know you like this one, uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh, That's another team that is better than they were last year. Last year was such a strange year for them when you consider the injuries. Uh, You know, they were like the worst good team in the league. But I think that they are right back to what their identity seemed to be under Brad Stevens. Obviously, he's not the coach anymore. But uh, (coughs) bless me. Uh, We got some defense and we got passers. Schroeder, they got it a really good deal there. It's kind of dumb a Dennis, but that's a different story. He should have taken that money in LA, but here he is on the Celtics. Uh, Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, Nal Horford are all really good defenders. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, I think is going to be a very key piece off the bench. And then you have guys who have potential to make a tremendous impact off the bench. When you look at Inez Cantor, uh, when you look at Aaron Neesmith and not everyone's going to be able to start. I don't know who's going to be the starting shooting guard. Is it going to be Marcus smart or is it going to be Josh Richardson is smart going to run the point guard. There's a lot to be seen, but what I do know is clear. No way in hell should Jalen Brown have dropped to me uh, where he did in the fantasy basketball draft last night. You look at this guy, and in the sleeper app, which we're running the the league through, he's listed it one through four. He's one of the most versatile players in the NBA, and the true point guard on the Boston Celtics this year is going to be Jalen Brown, and the MVP candidate is going to be Jason Tatum. And so I'm looking at my board, and I'm building my board yesterday, and I have serious consideration for putting Jason Tatum above Kevin Durant for fantasy basketball. That's how good I expect him to be this year. And you have to keep in mind that Jason Tatum is essentially a Scotty Pippen on defense, not just an offensive super duper star. Uh, this guy's coming into his own. And now that the torch has finally passed, it is Brown and Tatum's team. No Kemba Walker, no Kyrie Irving, certainly not Dennis Schroeder. Like, let these guys take you where you want to go. They did a really good job building around them. They're going to be able to maintain, I should say, retain that identity by bringing back Al Horford, who was good when he did play last year. I think that's a very well-built team. Uh, So I'm very high on the Celtics. They're at eight. And then it's seven. It's the Sixers. And we'll have a lot to discuss here. Uh, but there are major concerns. Ben Simmons is approaching cancer territory as far as the locker room goes. No, he's Uh, there. This is a disaster. It's going to disrupt chemistry. He is there for a paycheck, and he just got suspended earlier today. 
it's going to be an issue. And while I think that they're going to be talented enough to be fine in Doc Rivers is a good coach, I do think that they'll be able to be resilient uh, despite that uh, adversity. It's going to cause major issues. And you look at the rest of the East and it's a bunch of pretty damn good teams. And so it's a compliment to the teams ahead of them as long as well as kind of a diss to the dysfunction of the organization. And if you don't like each other, it's easy for things to fall apart. And that's a team that has just red flags all over it. Adam, I think our only agreement here is the Pacers at nine. Because okay. my, my number eight and my number seven are a little bit different than yours. I think with the Pacers, they have a high floor but a low ceiling. Um, they have some veterans there that are, you know, really good at their jobs, good at, at basketball. But the depth, is, I think, is a little bit of a concern. And I just feel like there are teams that have better talent or have more talent uh, and the paces are kind of just what they are. They're not going to be bad, but I also feel like they have extreme limitations when you look at the, um, like as, as high as certain teams can be and play up to that potential. I just don't think like if you get the best case scenario for the Pacers, I still think they're worse than a handful of teams in the East. So that's why I have them at nine. Although I do think that the addition of Rick Carlisle really helps them at eight. And I, just looking at this, I feel like they're low on my list but I also can make a stronger argument for the teams above them. I'm going with the New York Knicks, okay. uh, 44 and 38. The defense was really good last year again. And I do think they got better, but I also think that the East got better and got deeper. So I feel like the Knicks kind of just take a hit by default there. Right. Um, I, again, low uh, ceiling, but high floor uh, defense is going to travel for sure. But I just don't think that they have the offensive talent that other teams have. And I also am really concerned when it comes to some of the injuries, uh, like Kemba Walker always hurt. So you look at the team and you're like, oh, Kemba Walker, all-star with the Charlotte Hornets. Well, he's not Charlotte Hornets Kemba Walker anymore. Right. So I, I just worry that they're not going to be uh, as healthy or as deep as they were in seasons past. And then at seven, oh, you're going to hate me for this, Adam. I'm going with the Chicago Bulls. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm just not drinking the Kool-Aid yet, Adam. Uh, they they need to show yeah, <laughs> I need them to show me something first. I'm a uh, I'll believe it when I see it type. I love the additions, right? So DeRozan, a great addition there. Vucevic in the move that they made last year, bringing in Lonzo Ball, I think is a phenomenal move for them. It all looks good, but we still have yet to see how it plays in, in the regular season. I know that they've been blowing the doors off people in these preseason games, and that's all fine and dandy. But I'm curious to see just how it works out in the long term. I have them in the playoff picture. They've missed the playoffs for the handful of years. But I do think that they are my final play in team here with the seventh seed. Chicago Bulls, 45 and 37. The defense still worries me. But again, all things could hit and they could vault up my, up my board at some point later on in the season. So Pacers, Knicks, Bulls at nine, eight and seven. So my play in teams would be the Hornets the Pacers, the Knicks, and the Bulls. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, and I think that uh, that is perfectly reasonable, especially when you consider uh, teams like the Hawks and the Knicks uh, and, and the Sixers who are in, in that mix. Uh, the Bulls certainly could be that seven. I'd be surprised if they're the eight, uh, but I think they could certainly be that seven. And I do want to go off something you said about the Knicks depth. I do think that they have some good guard depth. Emmanuel quickly was really nice last year. If Kemba goes out, Derek Rose is going to uh, be their guy. And you know what? 
Derrick Rose might be their best player. Uh, obviously, Julius Randle was the guy last year, but look at the playoffs. You know, who is who was the leader on that team? Who had to uh, have big games to keep them in things? It was it was Derrick Rose who shows up in big moments. Uh, so I think Derrick Rose uh, could be huge, especially when you consider uh, the Kemba Walker Rose quickly uh, back court. I think he's the best of the bunch. R.J. Barrett needs to take a step forward. Alec Burks is a, a, a good piece there, uh, but now he doesn't have to be as much as a focal point, but a great backup for Evan Fournier, who's a perfect fit for a team that lacked shooting in the playoffs last year. Uh, still, Jury's still out on Kevin Knox and Obi Toppin. Kevin Knox jury is not looking good. And then a healthy Mitchell Robinson, I think, could be key. You have some really nice defensive pieces in Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. Uh, the Knicks are a team, uh, when I look at the Bulls, I'm like, I don't know who's going to be better, the Knicks or the Bulls, but they're kind of both in that uh, seven through five range for me, or maybe five through eight. Uh, All right, who, go ahead. Who, oh, I was just going to move on unless you have another thought. I don't. All right. Uh, how do you want to do the, these next six? So the people who are in the playoffs, one through six, not in the play-in format, uh, solidified playoff positions. You want to just run through your six, five, four, three, two, one, and have some quick thoughts on those? Sure, sure, sure. Now I have the Atlanta Hawks, or I'm sorry, I did a last minute switch. I'm going to have the Bulls at six. I originally had them at five. I just think that the Hawks uh, have more continuity going for them. They really turned the corner last year and they're going to have more uh, built-in chemistry. Uh, I have the Bulls at six. I think they're going to be very good. I expect them to be among the top eight teams in pace. I think that the defensive issues people are talking about are like, I get it, but a big part of playing good defense is being able to close out defensively, especially on three-point shooting. And they have a roster that is going to be really good for closing out on that three-point shot. So what I'm saying is if they're caught out of position, they're going to be able to recover. And so I, where I do think the teams are going to be able to score against them, I don't think they're going to be a bad defense. I expect it to be about a middle-of-the-pack defense. And then they actually did have some really nice – uh, defensive pickups, in my opinion, as well. Uh, Alizé Johnson is a guy who I really think is an underrated pickup for them. 17 rebounds per 36 minutes last year. That's Dennis Rodman shit, frankly. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is a middle-of-the-pack defender. DeRozan's a good defender. Derek Jones Jr. is a really good defender and someone who uh, hints to what they're going to be able to do. Derek Jones Jr. is going to get some run at the center position, small forward position, and the power forward position. And that says the Bulls want to run. Uh, Jones Jr. used a ton at the power forward position when he was with the Miami Heat. And that worked really well for them uh, the year that they made their run to the NBA Finals. And then Alex Caruso, a nice pickup defensively. And then you just kind of look at this lineup top down and – you have so many playmakers. Uh, one of the guys who I think is going to be a candidate for most improved player of the year is Lonzo Ball. This team is perfectly built around him because they want to get out and run. It puts him in a position where he can go get rebounds, push the break, and 
you saw a lot of the outlet passes, Alonzo to Brandon Ingram or Lonzo to Zion Williamson, that's going to be Lonzo to DeMar DeRozan or Lonzo to Zach Levine. Uh, Kobe White's another guy who likes to get out and run. Patrick Williams is very athletic. And then you have a really good rebounder in Vucevic, who's top five in rebounds last year. And that's someone who's going to be able to close out defensive possessions. Uh, we see a lot of times teams not boxing out that was driving me nuts in the WNBA finals where the Chicago sky did pull it off but I was like finish the possession uh Vucevic is a guy who finishes possessions so uh I'm expecting a lot of offensive possessions against the Bulls to look like this someone kicks it out they think they have an open look but we're so dang quick that it's going to be a tough look from three Vucevic doesn't get that and we're going to be running and so uh they're going to be the fastest team in basketball. They're going to be a absolute nightmare in transition. And the team is like a masterfully designed puzzle. The pieces just fit. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is going to be able to play two through four. Levine's going to be able to play one through three. Ball's going to be able to play one through three. Uh, Kobe White should be able to play a little bit of one through three. And so it's positionless playmaking on offense and just speed kills. But when you look at the really talented playmakers on the, that team, it's Vucevic can give you 10 assists on a given night. DeRozan uh, quietly had just under seven assists per game last year, a career high in that category for him. Levine has improved as a playmaker. T playing on Team USA helped him improve off ball, which is key. Kobe White now gets to play a shooting guard role, which is more uh, reflective of the kind of skills he has Alex Caruso obviously a talented playmaker and high IQ player and someone with a little bit of championship pedigree he has that key experience uh he's the only person on this roster with a championship unless Matt Thomas somehow got one with the Raptors I'm not sure but he definitely wasn't a key player for them and then I've said it all uh Lonzo Ball is one of the best playmakers in the NBA and now you're giving him the keys to the Cadillac and so I do think that this team is perfectly tailored around him everyone fits each other it's going to be a nightmare to stop in transition and Kurt I'm not going to lie I just went on such an epic bulls rant that I forgot the original question I was supposed to go uh uh six, six, through, six through one, one. okay six well, through one there's your uh two-hour speech on the Chicago Bulls thank you for attending my uh TED talk there uh so that's my six the Bulls uh next is gonna be the Hawks now, the Hawks were my dark horse team last year, and rightfully so. Uh, keep an eye on DeAndre Hunter. He is going to be the guy who steps up here. Clint Capella, also quietly one of the most efficient centers in the NBA. He had Rudy Gobert numbers last year, but doesn't get the Rudy Gobert clout. But he is probably the third worst or third best team, third best player on that team at very worst. But you quietly have like a bunch of we talked about collective grade point average you know the class gpa you look at the hawks and you are you have an embarrassment of riches between trey young john collins um clint capella danilo gallinari bogdan bogdanovich deandre hunter cam reddish uh lou williams another guy who can give you important buckets off the bench this is a team that is going to be able to play the best style of basketball right now, which is uh, space and pace. It's effective. 
Uh, Kevin Herter is really improving as well. Um, I really like Onyeka Okongwu. I think that the Hawks are exactly who they showed us they were last season, and I expect them to continue to build on the foundation that they've established. Uh, The next team on my list is the Miami Heat. Uh, The Heat are very interesting. All right. I'm sorry, build that up, build that up. So I had uh, the six Hawks, four Bulls. I'm sorry, six Hawks, five Bulls, four Heat. I have a confusing arrow drawn with the Sixers. I'm just going to roll with it. The Heat are the next best team here. Uh, I think that we've talked about it in our division previews. It's a defensive super team between Bam, Jimmy, Lowry. Uh, You have so much shooting. It's a three and D team. It's a team that is going to be a problem on both ends. And they have one of the very best coaches in the NBA. Next, I have the Nets. Come on. We all know about the Nets. I don't have to say anything. It's you have Kevin Durant and James Harden. Uh, Who cares if Kyrie Irving decides to play or not? They're going to be fine. And then the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the best team in the NBA right now. All right. Uh, I think our only agreement, um, and I can't remember how it was shaping up with your your arrows here, Adam, but I I do believe that our number five was the same, Atlanta. Um, So for me, I have the 76ers as my sixth best team. And I have them there just obviously because of the Ben Simmons situation. They'd be a lot better if he was a part of that and really invested. Um, but again, when you have Joel Embiid come out in a press conference today, as we record this on October 19th before the season starts saying, I don't care about that guy. It's not good. You don't want to hear that. So the Sixers, I think, are uh, low on my list, although the talent could you know, vault them a little bit higher. Um, if Simmons isn't there, um, that's more minutes for Matisse Thibel. He obviously is a really good defender. I don't really think that they drop off much defensively. I believe they finished second in the NBA in defensive efficiency last year. So, you know, as I mentioned, defense travels. Uh, you just hope that Embiid stays healthy. Uh, five, I have the Atlanta Hawks, and I agreed with what you said, too. I think this is a dark horse team, Adam. They have, you know, one of the best offenses in the NBA, and a lot of depth, obviously one of the deepest teams in the NBA too. So if they can get all those pieces to mix together, find some good rotations, find what they need, then I think this is a team that could really outperform uh, their, their fifth spot here on my list. And uh, a team that could just frankly shoot you out of the gym. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the offense is always going to be there just because they have so many good players and they're so deep. My number four team, I have the Celtics. Uh, really high oh. on the team. Yes. Uh, I, I just like that they trimmed the fat. So their bench, I think, got better. They have people who are actually going to contribute off the bench. They don't have like two or three guys that they trust. They have more than that. Um, and then I also like the addition by subtraction. So you get rid of Kemba Walker. And I, th- I think that that plays into their hand just because he wasn't really available. Not that he was a bad player, but he was just unavailable a lot. So if you get healthier bodies, you get younger bodies, you get people who are out there who can play specific roles for them and you get deeper in the process. That's why I have the Celtics at 50 and 32. They're my fourth best team. And then three, two, and one. These are pretty uh, self-explanatory. I don't really want to say that the Miami Heat are a dark horse. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they came out of the East and were in the NBA finals, but I feel like if you put a team in your top three, they're not really a dark horse, but 
I've said it all along. I like the, the additions they made in the offseason. I think that the Heat won the offseason. A lot of good pieces for them. The defense just got better, and they were already a really good defensive team. Number two, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, really tough to argue why they wouldn't be number one. Um, but I, I, I just think that they don't have – I don't want to say they don't have the talent, but when you have Kevin Durant and James Harden with the Nets as my number one team – who we saw what they did in the playoffs last year. I mean, they just about took out the Bucks, and it was it was like James Harden on one leg, going o for whatever, but getting you assist numbers. Not a not a threat offensively at all. Kevin Durant was doing everything by himself basically, and it took him to a game seven. And then I also like the additions of Patty Mills. I think that he's really slept on, and just having a kind of a. We, we don't really expect anything out of Blake Griffin offensively now. We can hone in on him defensively. Uh, maybe LaMarcus Aldridge has a renaissance, and he's a good piece for them. But it's just really difficult when you have uh, two guys in the top five in terms of player talent in the league and James Harden and Kevin Durant. It's really hard to pick against them, which is why I have the Nets at number one. And if Kyrie Irving comes around, uh, you know that, that's a boost to that team. But again, not really counting on anything from him. So six through one, Sixers, Hawks, Celtics, Heat, Bucks, and Nets to okay. round out my Eastern Conference picks. I like that. Uh, my my dark horses uh, teams I think could overperform my projections. Raptors for the reasons I I spoke, especially uh, defensively, and I really believe in Nick Nurse, uh, Chucky Finster. If you've ever seen uh, Rugrats all grown up, fun fact, uh, he grew up to be the head coach, Chucky Finster. He is Nick Nurse, uh, a striking resemblance with the glasses uh, and the the red hair. Anyway, um, the Chicago Bulls, for everything reason I said, I mean, in a best case scenario, they vault, vault up to number three. Uh, and then the Sixers, I have them at eight and I have them at three. I figured out what the the cryptic rankings meant I, with the arrows. It's like an Indiana Jones puzzle that I had to solve uh, by my own design. So that's on me, but I, I solved my own puzzle. <laughs> and the puzzle means that if the Sixers get good trade value, you, let's say you get a Malcolm Brogdon, then all of a sudden the Sixers are a team that can maybe come out of the East right now they're in a really bad situation, but Ben Simmons is an asset that you can really flip right now. If I am the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm on the phone with the Washington wizards and I'm being as polite as I can. And I'm saying like, Hey, I'll give you Ben Simmons. And what else do you want for Bradley Beal? Uh, and maybe I'm even trying to get Beal and Dinwiddie. Uh, but I'm trying aggressively to find a stabilizing presence, even if it's a Terry Rozier, but you need someone who is going to be ready to compete with your team. And uh, if they are able to find a piece like that, all bets are off. There's so many different players who could really help them. Uh, Deontay Murray could be an excellent uh, fit for them because they'd be able to maintain a lot of the same style that they had with Ben Simmons uh, especially defensively with a guy like Murray. Uh, there's options they have. The tricky part of the situation is Ben Simmons is submarining his own value by his antics, which puts a very uh, tough trader in an even tougher trading position uh, with Daryl Morey as he looks to flip 
uh, a decreasing asset, but he's not going to take under market value, which says uh, to me that they're going to have issues with wins and losses. It's going to, they're going to be a better team than their record, but uh, it's hard to win with bad chemistry. That's going to be a huge factor, yet they still are a dark horse. They have Joel Embiid. The obvious X factor is how many games is Joel Embiid going to play? Because if Joel Embiid plays 70 games, we're talking a pretty good record, uh, and we're talking maybe an MVP. Uh, shall we head out west? We should. All right. Well, why don't you do the honors? Uh, who do you have 15 through 11? I have at 15, the Oklahoma City Thunder. As we mentioned before, they're just in total rebuild mode. A lot of assets in the next three years or so, but not built to compete right now. I know SGA is a really good player, but – there's just not a whole lot going for this team. So I have them at 15, 14. I have the Houston Rockets. Uh, I like their young pieces, Kevin Porter, Jr. Jalen green, Christian wood at 26 years old, you know, call them young, call them old, whatever you want to say a uh, good piece for the Houston Rockets. Nonetheless, Kenyon Martin jr. Also like him. Uh, Josh Christopher has tremendous upside, a really good high school prospect. Didn't really play all that well in college, but maybe he finds a groove there. So I have the Rockets at 14. Yeah. I think the offense is going to be there. Defense, I don't know if it's going to be there. Uh, 13, odd to say, but San Antonio Spurs, out of the play-in picture here. Uh, they just lost a bulk of their core. And yeah, Popovich is good, but if you don't have the bodies, you don't have the bodies. So I, I think that they're going to be my uh, 13th team out west at 32 and 50. Uh, moving on to number 12, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I like that the way that they're trending, but again, kind of a lot of things to figure out with this team. Uh, how do Cat... D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards play together. Didn't really play a lot uh, last year. And Malik Beasley, how does he fit into the mix there? Not a lot of um, uh, minutes with those four out on the floor together. So team chemistry could take a while for them to build. But they did finish the season 11-11 and uh, when they made that coaching change. I think that uh, Chris Finch going to be a, a good asset for them after starting 7-24 and with Ryan Saunders. So hopefully they don't have a hole to dig themselves out of. And then my 11th team, I have the Sacramento Kings. And I think that they're going, I think that they are a lot better than what their record might indicate or where they might finish in the West, but they just play in a really, really deep division. So unfortunately being the worst team in that division, I don't think that there's an argument there to be made that they, they should be higher than fifth in their own division, but just one of those things where until there's some regression in a four, three, two, and one uh, in, in the Pacific, I just don't see the Kings being able to make up that much ground. So I have the Kings as my first team out of the plan at my 11th seed. So Thunder, Rockets, Spurs, Timberwolves, Kings, Adam. Okay. And uh, it's such a, a mess at the bottom there. In no particular order, uh, and I've done some reordering as well as we go through, but the Thunder, the Rockets, and the Spurs. Uh, I think the Spurs could wind up being okay, though. Uh, I think that there's a team that could at best wind up in that play-in situation uh, just because they have good fitting pieces. Thaddeus Young is kind of a sneaky pickup for them because the Bulls used him as uh, the Draymond Green for them last year. And then uh, you have some really good passers between him and uh, Deontay Murray, Derek White, 
health is a concern. He's a very good defender. He's, he's a very good three and D player. Frankly, he's a good scorer. Uh, he's a good, a good sized guard that can play either guard position there. A guy I expect to have a career year there is uh, Doug McDermott, who is going to thrive in Popovich's offense. And he might just be their best scorer. And he's a dark horse for most improved player in the NBA. Uh, best shooter for sure on that team. Without a doubt. Uh, so my 15 through 11 is Thunder, Rockets, Spurs, Pelicans, Kings. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting that we both have uh, the Kings there. Uh, they're a team, Luke Walton kind of saved his job last year. They're just not quite good enough for uh, the play-in, though. Now, I have the Wolves at 10, though. I, I think that they are going to be able to just have – they got a lot of talent, you know, Um if you listen to our preview episode, you know that I'm very high on Nas Reed. And I think he could be uh, seen on the floor a lot with Carl Anthony Towns this year. I hope so anyway. But they got a, a lot of young ballers. Malik Beasley can give you 20 a night. Russell gives you 20 a night. You got a lot better defensively with Patrick Beverly. You got a lot tougher with Patrick Beverly. Anthony Edwards uh, showing flashes of that Dwayne Wade type potential. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, just a very solid rebounder, role player, defensive guy. Uh, Jade McDaniel's a freak athlete. And then uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who I think under Chris Finch is going to, I mean, he's already a really, really good player, but I think we might start to see him emerge into uh, that tremendous potential he has. He always has been a statistically incredible, but I think he's going to be able to start leading these teams to some wins, more wins. I think we'll see multiple 50 point games perhaps from towns. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If he has uh, two 50 point games this year, that might be uh, if there's a Vegas bet on that, take the odds uh, depending on what those are. Uh, but I, I think they're very, very interesting. I wouldn't quite call them a dark horse. Cause I don't think that they'll, necessarily make the playoffs but they could sneak in but i do think that they're uh a play-in team and just it was like night and day once chris finch stood in and i really liked a quote from malik beasley i'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here uh but talking or, I, or maybe it was uh d'angelo russell i think it was d'angelo russell or uh beasley but i, I think russell and he basically said like we don't care who we're playing we're, we're trying to kill whoever's in front of us. And I think that this team is going to have an element of toughness and an element of fearlessness. And they quietly have a bunch of dudes who can go get you a bucket, uh, whether that be Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, uh, Malik Beasley, uh, D'Angelo Russell. And so I, I really like that team. And shout out to the former uh Colorado Buffalo McKinley Wright, who made the roster and gets to go back home too. All right. I think the only disagreement we have then is I have the Pelicans at 10. So in my play in and the Wolves at 12. But other than that, 11, 13, 14, and 15, we agree on Adam. Yeah. And the Pelicans are a very interesting team. Uh, I just don't believe in the roster structure right now. I think Valanchunas was a good option, but I don't think that uh, Zion is going to exactly thrive in this uh, point forward role I don't think he's that kind of playmaker yet and um, I do think Devontae Graham's a better fit alongside him uh, if you're going to have him dominate the ball but I'm not sold on the Pelicans well let's get right into the meat of it then who do you have six through one we have to cover the rest of the play-in oh true 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 I was testing you and you passed 
Aha. Uh, so at number nine, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I, again, I just think that this team is a couple years away from really making a big splash. Um, they, too. Yeah, they have really good pieces uh, and they're going to be really, really good defensively. But I think that they have offensive limitations right now. Number eight, I have the Portland Trailblazers, uh, a, a team that has just fallen from the past couple of years. They, they were a team that was seemingly in that three seed out west. But, you know, they were playing all their games, the, the stars, I should say. They didn't really rest anybody. So I think that they kind of outperformed what people thought during the regular season. They didn't really address any of their needs. Who knows how long Damian Lillard is going to be there and how uh, patient he is throughout this process. So I have him at eight. And then the Clippers, I have them at seven. Just obviously missing Kawhi Leonard. That is a massive blow to that team. But they still have the shooting. They still have the depth. And I really think that this could be a big season for uh, Paul George. So my play-in teams are the Pelicans at 10, Grizzlies at 9, Blazers at 8, Clippers at 7. Yeah, once again, the only switch is I have Wolves or you have Pelicans. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. And frankly, I don't have much to offer other than Mike really shouldn't have drafted Kawhi Leonard in the second round last night. That was a (laughs) – I, I think he might actually have to be bedridden for a few weeks because he hurt his back so bad reaching um, because he might not play at all, but you have uh, apparently Reggie Jackson's good when he wears goggles, he's out there looking like a uh, Frozone from the Incredibles, just super slick and a, a cool look with, he looks cool in goggles, man. It's hard to pull off, but Mr. Accessory. Yeah, dude's smooth. Dude's smooth. He looked great in the playoffs. And so weird that like it's going to be Paul George and Reggie Jackson. Um, but yeah, that's a team that if, if Kawhi Leonard gets healthy, they could make a, a deep playoff run for obvious reasons. But we'll see, especially Kawhi was very conservative with the Spurs mm-hmm. with his injury. And so I think he's going to be conservative again. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it's kind of clear who the top six teams are. And that's why our 15 through seven are so similar. Yeah, and I do want to put this out here, Adam, because there is some confusion about what the play-in tournament even is and how does it even work. So I'm going to break this down. You heard our teams already, but this is how the play-in tournament works. The seventh highest winning percentage in each conference will host the eighth highest winning percentage team. That winner of that game will solidify itself as the seventh seed in each conference. Then the ninth team will host the 10th team. The loser of 7-8 will host the winner of 9-10. Of course, in that 9-10 game, the 10th team, or you know, whoever wins that game will play the loser of 7-8. The loser is eliminated entirely. So loser of the 7-8 game hosts the winner of the 9-10 game, and the winner of that will be able to clinch the eighth seed. So it's the same play in tournament as we saw last year. Not the same tournament that we saw in the bubble two seasons ago, but that is to clear up the play-in tournament. So again, 10th through 7, those are the teams that are going to be in this play-in tournament at the end of the regular season. However, no one has really earned the 7th or 8th seed until that play-in tournament is played, if you got all that. And what are your thoughts on this format just in general? Oh, man, it's... It's tough because I, I see it from both perspectives. I like it 
from the aspect of it, I can't say it eliminates tanking, but it encourages teams that are we're kind of on the outside looking in. Hey, we still have something to play for. Hey, we can, you know, if you're the 10th team, you could still win the NBA finals. It would take a lot, but you are at least in that picture. So I, I think that it discourages tanking. It gives teams more to play for. So I think that you have more competitive basketball throughout the year. And I also think that it brings some exposure to those teams who have been on the outside looking in where people can be like, hey, maybe there's some better basketball here at the lower end of the conferences than we initially thought. Having said that, I think that a lot of the teams that are in the plan are typically sub 500 teams and the level of basketball at times has not necessarily been great. And I'm not really for, you know, if, if you take a look at that one through 10, really in some sort of playoff picture initially in both conferences, that's 20 of 30 teams that are eligible to be in the playoffs and make a playoff run before the play-in tournament is played. Having 66% of your league be playoff eligible, I think just kind of saturates the basketball that we saw up until that point throughout the regular season. What are your thoughts? I think that last point was just beautifully said. Uh, I think that it, it just happens to work better in the West uh, than it would in the East. No disrespect to the East, but, you know, kind of looking at some of my projections there, I mean, do I really want to watch the Raptors? Like maybe, maybe if they're, you know, uh, but then I, it's like Raptors, Pacers, kind of, eh, you know, like some eh, teams, but do I want to watch uh, John Morant? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Do I want to watch Paul George? You betcha. Do I want to see Dame Dollar? You betcha. You know, and so the, like um, the West, I think East is like caught up a lot, but the West is a little deeper. Uh, frankly, I think it's a money decision and that makes sense. The league wants to make money, especially when you consider how much money they lost on revenue. This is a way to slowly regain some of the money that they lost due to the pandemic. And uh, so I, I think it's fine. I get it. But yeah, man, 66% of your league being eligible for the playoffs, like that's a little ridiculous. And uh, I would, I'd like a premium on wins, you know? And so it's interesting. I get it. Um, but it, it is what it is. So now we're looking at the playoffs. And I, if I'm not mistaken, then we just have the same six teams. I don't know if we have the same order. I don't think we have the same order, but yeah, the, the six teams should be there. Um, so I'll just rattle off mine and give some quick thoughts before we get to yours. Um, six, I have the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. I do think that losing Rick Carlisle is huge, especially too, because Jason Kidd has been relatively unproven as a head coach, but they did improve their shooting. Um, and then at five, now this is a dark horse team. And I think you'll agree here, Adam. I have the Denver Nuggets at five okay. and they're just patiently waiting for Jamal Murray to return from his injury. Uh, that is a completely different team when he returns. And unlike the Kawhi Leonard situation, I think that the general consensus is that Jamal Murray will return in time for the playoffs. Should the Nuggets be in the playoff picture? And I just don't see a situation where they wouldn't be in the playoff picture before he comes back Four, I have the golden state warriors. I really like them getting their pieces back. Clay Thompson should be back again around Christmas or uh, January and February. That's going to be a massive boost for them if he can be even close to what he was in the past. Steph Curry was playing phenomenal basketball last year, certainly an MVP candidate. Then you like the young talent of Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody. Um, and then we also have some really good depth. 
uh, Otto Porter Jr. could be a, a good piece for them. Andre Iguodala plays good defense for them. Jordan Poole had a really good season last year, and I expect him to be even better than that. And then Andrew Wiggins, say what you will about him, but he can give you a scoring punch and uh, give you some athleticism and a guy who can run the floor. And then my th- two under Steve Kerr. Yes. And then three, two, and one. Uh, God, these teams are just so solid. I have the Lakers at three. Um, the only thing that you're concerned about is how much do they rest and who will get injured if there are injuries. Two, I have the Phoenix Suns. You're just running everything back. And you kind of have to because they didn't have a whole lot of holes last year. Right. Seventh in offensive efficiency, third in defensive efficiency. You got to like it. And then my number one team, and I think that on paper, this is probably the deepest, most complete team, too deep at just about every position. I have the Utah Jazz, uh, most three-pointers made last season, best, uh, or I should say fourth best in that three-point shooting percentage. They make a lot of them. They shoot it at a high, efficient rate. One of the best rebounding teams as well. The only concern is, and this isn't a regular season prediction really, but Rudy Gobert, Gobert getting played off the floor in the playoffs. Can they figure out a way to keep him on the floor and maybe be more of a versatile defender, which is weird to say because he's a defensive player of the year. But I do like the additions of Pascal, uh, Rudy Gay, and Hassan Whiteside for them. Yeah. So six through one, just to recap, Mavericks, Nuggets, Warriors, Lakers, Suns, Jazz, locked into those six through one uh, playoff picture teams. You don't have to worry about them in the play-in, according to my predictions, Adam. Yeah, you know, we have the same team. We have a much different order. We do have the same one and two. I have Jazz and Suns at one and two. Uh, I think you make a really good point about the Utah Jazz. You know, Hassan Whiteside, the great thing about that pickup is you are maintaining your identity when Rudy Gobert is off the floor. Uh, But at the same time, you're not putting Hassan Whiteside as your starting center. And so it's a really good pickup for them uh, because I think that they struggled with their identity last year when Derek Favors was on the floor uh, just because he's a really good player, but they kind of had to change their identity a little bit. Hassan Whiteside is that shot blocker. Uh, that rebounder and that lob finisher that Gobert is in. I don't think that they're going to be on the floor together, maybe ever, maybe if they need to go, let's say they're playing the Sixers. I could see a world where the Sixers are like, Hey, we're going to go uh, Embiid at the four and Drummond at the five. And then maybe we see the jazz trot out uh, Gobert at the five and uh, Whiteside at the four. Whiteside's got that little mid range game going uh, but the Utah Jazz, just from top to bottom, you have three, four, really, really good point guards, whether they're listed there or not. I'm talking about Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, and Joe Ingles. And another great playmaker in Bogdanovich, he doesn't even have to do too much playmaking. He's kind of a catch and shoot or a go get me a bucket guy for them. But uh, I do believe that Bojan has all the skills to have some big assist games and play a little bit of that uh, point forward role. Uh, Royce O'Neal, this is a guy who impressed the the crap out of me last year. I think he's a perfect fit there. Uh, Someone who, one of many efficient three-point shooters. So the Jazz running it back, much like the Phoenix Suns. And like you said, the the Suns really didn't have to do anything. There's no point in remaking the wheel. Um, I was kind of surprised that they haven't given the bag to DeAndre Ayton yet. Having Dario Sarge back eventually is going to be huge. Uh, I like the Chandler Hutchison pickup. 
Uh, but it's, it's essentially the same team. So when I look at the Jazz and the Suns, the reason I have them one and two is not only do I believe in the talent and everything, but they're going to have more continuity than my other four teams who are locked into playoff spots. And I think that that goes a long way when you already have a, uh, an identity and a foundation built. You just got to run it back and continue to be a good basketball team. And when you are talking chemistry and cohesion, the Jazz are the best team in the NBA. And that makes them a, tar- a dark horse to win the NBA championship, even if they're not in that conversation regularly. Uh, now, my order, however like I said, very differently from yours, six through three. So six, I have the Warriors, five, I have the Lakers, four, I have the Nuggets, three, I have the Mavericks. Ah, this is, you have so many good teams out West. I wonder what Clay Thompson is going to look like because if he's even 80% of his former self and Jordan Poole's as good as I think he can be. And that is six man of the year type candidate. You're looking at a team that's a top four team in the West. They have uh, James Wiseman, who's a bit of a question mark for me, but if he steps up, then you're talking about, I mean, the, the comps were Chris Bosh and David Robinson, like get out of here. You know, like this guy's got all the potential in the world to be a true superstar uh, with some range at the center position. Draymond Green led that team in assists last year, and I think that he's going to be able to have a tremendous assist year when you consider all the shooting you're going to be able to put around him. And now he's not just step, setting up Steph Curry, he's setting up Clay Thompson again, and Jordan Poole should be even more in the mix. Jordan Poole's a very young guy, too. Uh, but I do think that it's going to take them some time. And I think that all these teams in the top six should have over 45 wins. I'll say that now the Lakers, I just have major concerns, man. I think that they will be better than their record and they could absolutely win the NBA championship. They could absolutely get to the finals, but I look at this team and I see injury potential with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony uh, and maybe some wear and tear on Russell Westbrook. He doesn't seem to miss many, but you know, Rondo is an injury concerned as, as well. Uh, Avery Bradley is an injury concern. I think Avery Bradley was a really good pickup for them because he's a good three and D piece. This is a really good defensive team, but what's going to happen when you aren't going to be able to shoot with a team like the Dallas Mavericks or the Phoenix Suns or the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets or the Golden State Warriors or even the Portland Trailblazers on a hot night? Uh, They're going to have to find a way to make this work. I think they can, but I think you'd be foolish to lock them in as a one seed. And LeBron James is really, he's getting up there in years, man. Like he's still one of the very best basketball players. But I, I do think we've seen the best of LeBron James. Le- number six, LeBron is back, but he's 36 years old. And I think he only played 50-some games last year. That's a major concern for me when you're talking about seeding, and that's what we're talking about here. So the Lakers are better than the fifth best team in the West, most likely. But as far as standings go, you have a pretty new roster. I have so many uh, questions about who the regular rotation is going to be. And I think that Vogel probably has some uh, feeling out to do in that regard too. Uh, But they're going to be 
probably the best rebounding team in the NBA when you consider Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, and Anthony Davis. Uh, they're more of kind of an old school build. Um, and they have all the pieces to be immaculate with Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Rajon Rondo, Malik Monk, a super underrated piece there. And someone who's going to be uh, so important is someone who can stretch the floor and knock down some threes for you. Somebody who can really score in bunches. Uh, then you have LeBron James, um, obviously. So I think the Lakers are going to be really good, but I just, those question marks are enough where I only have them at five. Uh, now the Denver Nuggets, like you said, just kind of waiting for Jamal Murray to return, but it's time for Michael Porter Jr. He just got paid and he's going to ball this season. Uh, Jokic is the MVP and with the Nuggets, it just comes down to health. Last year was a nightmare with health. Uh, you know, Michael, or I'm sorry, sorry, Will Barton missed so much time and that's an issue, but uh, Austin Rivers, wound up being a nice pickup for them. I like Faku a lot. Monte Morris, they have a lot of depth. They'll be able to hold down the fort until uh, Murray gets back because of the playmakers you have in Barton, Rivers, in Faku, and uh, and Morris. And then even P.J. Dozier, who's a solid, solid uh, playmaking backcourt piece. Uh, Aaron Gordon is just such a perfect piece to have alongside Nikola Jokic. And when you look at a team with maybe some defensive issues, Aaron Gordon's the guy you're going to put on the LeBron James or Kevin Durant. He's a versatile player who can play three through five, and that's going to make them better than they were last year, uh, having him start with them on the team. And uh, I expect him and Jokic to continue to build chemistry. X factor here's Bobol. I don't know how much tick he's going to get I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, or maybe even the year after the sooner we see bowl bowl, the better, but I love the idea of having a center off the bench. Who's under the tutelage of Nikola Jokic, who has shown flashes of elite playmaking from the big position and someone who can knock down threes and per 36 minutes is going to be one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's number one per 36 in shot blocks. And I believe his father is number one all time per 36 in block shots. Obviously his father's seven foot seven, but you talk about a closeout nightmare in bowl bowl. He's the X factor. If he can step up into his own, the Denver nuggets are a legitimate title contender uh, out West, but look for Michael Porter jr. To have 25 points or more per game. Look at Jamal Murray to come back in and be a huge asset once he's able to get some of that rust off, uh, start feeling healthy again. The Nuggets are going to be a much better playoff team if they're healthy than they are a regular season team because that's going to take the time uh, that Murray's going to need to readjust back into this team. But you saw in such a small stretch last year how special this team was when they actually had Murray, Barton, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. And so I think that they're going to be just dangerous. Now the Dallas Mavericks, what did they win by 60 something the other night? I know it's preseason, <laughs> uh, but just a few years ago, two seasons ago, the Mavericks actually had one of the most efficient and by the advanced numbers, one of the best offenses in the history of the NBA. And they've had the same guys and Jason Kidd's going to get out and run. And you know what the Mavericks need or needed 
was just a fresh face. I don't think that Jason Kidd is going to make or break you. But I do think that Luka Doncic is going to have him looking like a genius at times. And he's going to be in that coach of the year consideration. Uh, the X factors, obviously, Kristaps Chris Porzingis. I'm not going to rehash. If you want to go and figure it out, you have to listen to our uh, Southwest division. Uh, right there, Southwest. There's so many divisions. Southwest with the Mavericks, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they're... Also, you got to consider they're in a very weak division, so they're going to be able to just gobble up wins off that. Uh, but this is a team that is going to be an offensive nightmare. I'm interested to see how they use Moses Brown. I think he should be able to play in to some big minutes, but they have serious depth in the front court between Dwight Powell, Willie Cauley Stein, and Moses Brown. And then Boban, who's a really good player when he's allowed to be on the floor. What I mean by that is a lot of teams you're not going to have Boban out there against, but if you're playing a team that isn't as fast and his uh, lack of quickness isn't going to be a crippling issue for you, Boban Marjanovic is a really nice player in the NBA. You have a stretch four in Maxi Kleba, uh, you have a nice stretch in Kristaps Porzingis, and both those guys can play some center if you're trying to run too. I really like the Reggie Bullock pickup because he's a good defender. He hustles his ass off. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith coming back. Uh, I think Sterling Brown could be interesting. Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, showed up in the playoffs in a big way, and he is probably going to be their third best scorer in a best-case scenario behind Kristaps Porzingis in Luka Doncic, but when you have him as your third best scorer, you're in great shape. And when you have Jalen Brunson is, is probably your fourth best scorer, you're really in good shape. That's a guy who's better than his stat line, but I want to see Jalen Brunson more at the two guard. I want to see him. Uh, he's obviously going to back up Luka at the point, but I want to see lineups where you have Doncic, Brunson, and Hardaway. And then keep in mind the different creative things that Jason Kidd was able to do with Giannis. Uh, he tried to experiment with him at point guard. A lot of people thought that that was going to work. I don't think it quite worked, frankly, but they'll still run some stuff through Giannis. But Jason Kidd is a creative coach, and he's going to find ways to use his pieces in creative ways that is going to uh, – present matchup problems and look for Chris Tapp's Porzingis to be a much more uh, impactful player on this year's Mavericks team. I think that they are going to have one of the very best offenses in the NBA. So that closes out my top six Warriors, Lakers, Nuggets, Mavs, Suns, Jazz. Very good. Should we get into our awards, Adam? Uh, we should, we should. Uh, my first one written down is Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you got? I got Bam Adebayo. Boom Shakalaka. I should say Bam Shakalaka. He's my pick too. Oh, and we did not discuss this before, so these could all be surprise picks. Now, I want to throw out a caveat first. All of my picks, I feel like, are the ones where people are going to go in terms of a thought process. The th I think that this system is extremely flawed, right? Like people are always like, oh, MVP is the best player on the best team. And I just don't think that that should be the case. Or, you know, if you define it as valuable, I feel like that you're kind of a victim of your circumstance. Then if your team is terrible, but you're really carrying your team, that's valuable. But that person will likely never win MVP because it always seems to go to best player or more accomplished player. So I think that the definitions of these are kind of muddied a little bit, but my picks, I feel like won't surprise a lot of people 
It's just where I think that the thought process is in the voters. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we continue. Okay, yeah, I, I, it is narrative driven. I always say that. Uh, the reason I love Bam is pretty simple. He is going to do everything. Uh, last year, the last two seasons, he's over a block per game and over a steal per game. Uh, he has these random monster games where he'll have like 18 and 18 with five blocks. And what really helps is now that the rich got richer in Miami defensively is Bam Adebayo is going to be able to focus more on his assignment and less on help. And because of how disciplined the players are around him, he is going to have an easier job. And the dude's a freak. The dude's a freak. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I think he's a dark horse for MVP. Call me crazy. I think you can make a legitimate argument. Who's the best player on the Miami Heat, Kurt? Is it Jimmy Butler or is it Bam Adebayo? I would say Jimmy Butler, but I think the one question about Bam Adebayo that kind of plays into our hand here when we're picking him for Defensive Player of the Year, I feel like all the questions about him have been on the offensive end. No questions defensively. So that's why I think that he's a, a good choice here for Defensive Player of the Year. True. And much like a former Defensive Player of the Year, Joakim Noah, they run a lot through him offensively. And when we, you consider the narrative, people want to give those guys awards. You know, like uh, Joakim Noah, this is such a weird take. But I think one of the reasons he won Defensive Player of the Year is because they were like, we have to give this guy an award. But what he was doing that year was so special because after Derrick Rose uh, and Lou Aldang went out, Joakim Noah was a facil facilitator on offense. Bam Adebayo deserves an award. He will get an award, and he is going to put up the numbers deserving of the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, it's the best defensive player, maybe, because maybe Jimmy Butler's Defensive Player of the Year, right? But he's big men usually win this award, and he's the best defensive player on the best defensive team. Rudy Gobert, if you're listening to this podcast, go do it again then. This is your challenge. Uh, this brings me to coach of the year. Who do you got? I have Steve Nash and I have him there just you're because grinning. you're grinning like a jack-o'-lantern. Well, it's, it's just <laughs> one of those things where like, I personally don't even like some of my picks, but I just feel like they're the obvious ones and the ones where people are really going to vote in that direction. I say Steve Nash, because like, how can you mess this up? Like, you know they're going to be an incredible basketball team. You know they're going to go deep in the playoffs. You know they, you know, are, I believe in terms of the sports books, if you take a look at the numbers, they're the odds on favor to win the NBA Finals. So if you have a team that you can't really mess up unless you get hit by injuries, then Steve Nash, who did a tremendous job last year as well, like I, I, I'm not questioning his basketball mind. I'm not saying he's a bad coach at all. I just feel like he's also – in a perfect situation that you can't really mess up. So I'm going with Steve Nash. Uh, so my pick for coach of the year is even sillier, actually. Um, yeah, obviously Steve Nash, it'll be like a perfect situation, right? Guys making him look good. Much like my pick, guys making this one guy in particular is going to make this guy look so good. And the narrative is going to be great uh, because when they have a historically great offense, which they've already had, uh, Jason Kidd's going to look like a genius. 
And Jason Kidd is going to win a uh, coach of the year over it. And people are going to be like, oh, yeah, well, Jason Kidd's impact has just been tremendous. And they're going to forget that they were already there. But um, I do think that the pace they're going to play with, and I do think that uh, the Mavericks are going to be just so dangerous offensively that uh, when they start to implement Chris Dapps Porzingis, which was the glaring issue last year, that that's going to make him look really good. Now the question mark coach I have next is, is Billy Donovan, because that's another guy who finally gets to uh, it's like what it reminds me of Kurt is a college football coach. So this guy's coming into his second year and now he has his players. But he was already like implementing his system or trying to implement it as much as his roster allows. And it's going to be run and gun. It's going to be spread the floor. Uh, They're going to be, I think, solid defensively. Offensively, they're going to be really good. And another thing that can kind of drive in a narrative is a, a team making a massive jump in wins. And if the Bulls are in the top four out east, there's a really good chance Billy Donovan gets a ton of noise. And you also have to consider Chicago's a huge, huge market. And that plays in a voting, in my opinion, when a guy's in a New York or a Chicago or an LA. All right. Things getting even uh, more interesting here. My next one is uh, MVP. Kevin Durant. Okay. Best player since, I mean, I, I've been saying it since 2016, best player in the league. He's going to put up insane numbers. Uh, he plays on a really good team and a final team. I think that that is going to be in terms of my individual awards. That is the last of my Nets picks. So, you know, we are going with Steve Nash for coach of the year MVP. I, I just think that Kevin Durant, you know, maybe, uh, you know, feeling like, ah, if, if I wore a shoe that was a little bit smaller, I could have made a, a deeper playoff run here. So maybe a chip on his shoulder trying to prove to people, Hey, I know I did this by myself and took the Bucks, who won the NBA title, to a Game 7. Um, I can do more than that. So I'm going with Kevin Durant, and especially, too, it's crazy when you look back and you see, like, Kobe Bryant, as good as he was, only winning one MVP. Uh, LeBron is obviously one of the best players in the league, but he hasn't won an MVP in years, despite being one of the best players in the league. I just feel like this is a year where you don't need to look uh, for your MVP. It's going to be right there in front of you. He's obviously the best player in the league, in my opinion. I'm going with Kevin Durant. So I have an or situation here. It's either going to be Luka Doncic or it's going to be Steph Curry for me. I like Uh, those picks too, though. And they're very similar picks in a way because one of these teams is going to be really good, you know, and they both might be really good. But here's the two potentials, right? So this is the world where Luka is MVP. Everything I just said regarding Jason Kidd happens. Uh, Luka Doncic improves his three-point percentage and churns out a year of 31-9-9. and You know, maybe 31-11-11. and You know, maybe he finally does average a triple-double, but he was a pick, uh, or the favorite pick going into last year. And frankly, he has everything it takes to finally take home that award. Now, the version of future where Steph Curry wins this, Steph going Steph. All right. It's really all, all I need to say about it. Like this guy's the best shooter of all time. He's one of the best playmakers of all time. He's one of the most revolutionary basketball players to ever step on a court. 
He is a wizard of a human being. He can do things that other people can't. He, uh, like, there's a lot of Dame Lillard stands like, get out of here. If you think Damian Lillard is a better shooter, if you think anyone in the history of mankind, besides maybe backyard basketball's Pablo Sanchez, who's perfect at everything, no matter the sport, besides Pablo Sanchez, Steph Curry's the best. Steph Curry is the best. Pablo Sanchez doesn't exist, Kurt. That's the issue here. Uh, if the Warriors catapult back up the rankings, it's going to be a nightmare. And you know why Steph Curry is going to have such a monster year? Because all of a sudden the defense is going to have to worry about Klay Thompson again. And the defense is going to have to worry about this crazy lineup where you have Steph, this will happen. Steph at the one, Poole at the two, Clay at the three. And then you what, you probably throw Wiggins at the four, Draymond at the five. It's going to be a nightmare. They're going to be able to do everything Steve Kerr likes to do. And because of the attention the defense must pay to Clay Thompson, you're not going to be able to do the same things that Steph Curry was carving up like a Thanksgiving turkey last year anyway. You're not going to be able to put four guys on him because Clay Thompson is the best catch and shoot player of all time. What are you going to do against Steph and Clay? The riddle returns, man. It worked. They were a super team. It's going to happen again. And guess what? The dude's motivated. Steve Kerr said they're chasing wins. There's a world where the Warriors win 60 games and Steph Curry is the league MVP and everyone is peeing down their leg as they head into the playoffs and they see the Golden State Warriors as a top three seed with a healthy clay and a healthy Steph. So we'll see. Um, any thoughts on those predictions before I move on to rookie of the year? I do like them. Um, I, I think that the world wants to give Luca an MVP so badly. Uh, it's going to happen. I just don't know if it happens this year. Well said. Uh, you're going to hate my rookie of the year pick, so you already know who that is. I don't, actually. Who's your rookie of the year? Jalen Suggs. Okay. And you're, you're a notorious Zags hater, so here's your chance to rip it. Well, no, he's a great player. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who I would have taken probably second overall. So surprised that he fell to five. Really good defender. Um, I think that his shooting has been suspect in the past, but I'm not questioning his shooting ability. I just think that he needs more volume. Um, I love that pick, to be honest. I, like I said, I love Jalen Suggs' game. Um, not the guy I'm, I'm going with, but, uh, I, I mean, I'll let you explain, first of all, before I move on. You know, full disclosure, man. I'm an NBA guy. I don't watch a ton of college basketball. So when I do these rookie of the year picks, it's not as educated as the rest of this podcast. I'm not going to hide who I am as a basketball consumer. So I don't know, man. It could be Kate Cunningham. <laughs> like, I'm not going to give you a compelling argument, but I do think that uh, Jalen Suggs is in a really good position where he – I think he's in the best position to succeed. He's probably going to be the best player on that team. He, like you said, he's a really good defender. He's super athletic. And just like the eye test says he was the best player in college basketball last year to me. Uh, I didn't see as much Cunningham because he was on OK State. But I think Suggs is the real deal. I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. And I don't know. He, he's just my pick there. What about you? 
Um, my rookie of the year is also Jalen. Jalen wow. Green. Now it's your time to shine. Why is it? Jay, Jay, you tell me. <laughs> Jalen Green, Adam. Uh, oh, I just really. Oh, I see. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. You had to let me finish the last name. My uh, rookie of the year is Jalen Green. Okay. Uh, Twenty points a game. Um, in in the uh, the preseason summer league, whatever you want to call it, uh, in limited action, it was just like three games for him. But he's just a guy who I think is going to put up stupid numbers. None of them are going to matter because he's going to play for the Houston Rockets. But if you look at a guy who's going to have an opportunity to do whatever he wants offensively, and I think he's probably the most gifted offensive player in this draft, um, you know, no holes in his game. I think that he just needs to get bigger and stronger for sure. Um, but I could see him putting up like 23 points a game as a rookie. And I think that he's just going to put up numbers that people can't ignore. So I'm going with Jalen Green. Obviously, the, the obvious pick is Cade Cunningham, but he's less of a, wow, He's putting up eye-popping numbers. He's more of a you know really complete player. The assist totals, the steals, and the lack of turnovers, the rebounding, the points aren't going to be as high. I think that he could be the best overall rookie from this class in terms of a complete player. I just think Jalen Green is going to put up numbers for the Houston Rockets that are going to be so ridiculous from a, a rookie standpoint that we can't ignore it. Okay, that's a compelling argument. Uh, I have most improved player yet. And I think it's, I have three guys who I think could win this award, but the winner is clear for me. Mm. Who's that winner? Lonzo Ball. Oh, wow. Okay. And so Lonzo Ball, for the first time in his career, gets to be Lonzo Ball. And I, I've said it before, go back and listen to our division preview to get my full thoughts on why Lonzo is going to Lonzo this year. But let's talk about the narrative. Lonzo Ball was one of the most hyped players of all time coming into the league. And frankly, he was overshadowed by his hype. He was only 20 years old when he came into the Lakers. And a lot of people thought he was going to be so good right away. And that's just foolish uh, to think a 20-year-old is going to come in and have some monster impact that that just doesn't happen that much uh, anymore, especially when he wasn't in a great situation. And so then he's, he's doing that. And then he's got to play with LeBron James and uh, the Pelicans. I don't think really used him correctly, but if you look last year, he had his best year as an NBA player, but just not quite good enough to get any, to overturn that narrative of him being a bad shooter. For example, he came in and shot 30% his rookie year, 32 per 32, nine, his second year, in 37-5 and then 37-8. He's going to be shooting around 40% from three. He's going to, every single year, he's had uh, at least 1.4 steals per game, a career average of 1.5. He's going to be one of the most important defensive players on a transition-heavy team. That's going to lead to steals and assists. I think he's going to average around nine assists per game. I think he's going to have a career high there. And this guy just averaged just under 15 points a game. He's going to get out and run. I'm thinking I'm looking at like a 17 in nine season, maybe around two steals. And he's also a really good rebounder. So I'm thinking like, maybe we're looking at a 17, seven and seven guy. Who's also one of the better defensive players in the year in, in the league. But really the issue is this. It's about playing your role to the best of your ability in the role that he is being put into with the Chicago bulls. 
is exactly how you want to use Lonzo Ball. You want him to get out and run. You want him to set other people up. And when DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, or Zach Levine force the defense to collapse around them, Lonzo Ball puts up really good catch-and-shoot numbers. And so that's where he's going to get a lot of his points as well. He's a perfect fit. It's a perfect situation. And Lonzo gets to be Lonzo because this team is built around Zach Levine, sure. But this team's also built around Lonzo Ball. Uh, And that is saying that you couldn't have a better situation for him. At this point, I feel like I'm just rehashing. But Lonzo Ball is going to have the best year of his career. And doing that in Chicago is going to catch a lot of media attention. And this is a highlight guy. He's not in New Orleans anymore. You're going to see him early and often in SportsCenter Top 10, whether he's throwing that lob to Caruso, Levine, DeRozan. The spotlight's going to be on this guy, and he's going to perform. Very good. Um, Not my pick, but I do like your explanation, and I could see it as a real possibility for sure. Um, My most improved player, which when I say his name is going to take him out of a different category that we still haven't discussed yet, but my most improved player is Jordan Poole. And I have him there just because I think that's one of my considerations. And and the reason I put him there is because I feel like he's going to get so much burn when Clay Thompson is out that he's going to put up crazy numbers and he's just going to get the playing time that he really didn't see in the past. So last year coming off the bench with the, uh, the warriors, 12 points a game on 35% shooting from three. I think that those numbers go up this year just because he's going to get more playing time. You know, he could even be, their starting shooting guard if they were to put him in, you know, in that role, but he's just on the up and up. And I really think that the Warriors are going to be a lot better than they were last year. So he's going to get more attention there. He's going to get a lot of playing time when Clay Thompson is not there. And then even when Clay Thompson uh, returns, I feel like he's going to have put up so much, so many good numbers up until that point that they're going to bring him off the bench and he's still going to have tremendous numbers Uh, moving forward for that team is kind of that first guy off the bench and the guy that they can look to for shooting and scoring. So I I think that Jordan Poole is trending in the right direction. And I just think that this is his breakout year because he's going to get so much more playing time. And those numbers, you know, we always talk about, I say, you always talk about the per 36. I think this is the year that Jordan Poole could kind of hover around that 36 minutes a game. If he were to be the first guy off the bench or getting starting shooting guard minutes. I completely agree. And my list, my finalists, if you will, for most improved player was Jordan Poole, Alonzo Ball, and Doug McDermott. Uh, Doug McDermott, I already explained earlier in this episode, but exactly everything you said about Jordan Poole, which brings me to sixth man of the year, Jordan Poole. Uh, now, everything you just said, I think he's going to win the, he's maybe going to win both of these awards. Like there's a really good chance, frankly. Uh he can play either guard position and Steve Kerr's a smart guy. It's going to cause defensive nightmares when you have this, the splash triplets out on the floor together. And uh, I mean, shoot, shoot, man. Like what were, what was his uh, three point percentage last year? 35. 35. Okay. I think those numbers go up. I think that he is uh, 
going to be in a perfect position and probably give you around 18 points a game. He'll be the third leading scorer on one of the best offenses in the league. It's going to go, but I could see him being just as good as Clay this year too. Cause maybe, I mean, Clay hasn't played in a really long time. Maybe it's staff pool than Clay, but pool's the real deal. He's in for the long haul and he's going to be the best player on the bench of a really, really good team. So that's my sixth man of the year. All right, my sixth man of the year, also Jordan. Beautiful. Jordan Clarkson. Oh, oh. with the Jordans and the Jalens? Come on. Yeah, again, we did not discuss this, but uh, I'm looking at Jordan Clarkson's numbers, and I feel like it's just sheer volume, Adam. The guy does not care who else gets shots. He's going to take all of them. So I'm looking at his numbers from last year, career high in field goal attempts, 16 a game for your bench player. And that's it's, Mitchell barely uh, edging him out with 20 attempts per game. It, it's just insane. And he's shooting it at a better percentage. Last year, he was around 43%, which isn't bad because kind of his Achilles heel in the past was like, okay, I'm going to shoot a lot. I'm going to shoot a lot. And he put up good field goal percentage numbers, you know, around that 44%. I mean, he's for his career, he's 44%. Um, and then the three point numbers, uh, he, he's been better in years past too, but just off of sheer volume, 16, uh, attempts a game last year. I feel like that number could be even higher. And he was a, a scorer of 18 points a game. He's been there, done that already a six man of the year. I just feel like Jordan Clarkson is going to shoot more, score more, and just does not care if anyone else has a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a reason he did last year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a great pick. He's he's the obvious pick. Yeah. Again, all my picks, I think, are relatively obvious. Maybe there's some disagreement there with Jordan Poole. But, uh, yeah, I Jordan Clarkson, I feel like until someone else shows me that they have the green light the way that he does and gets as many minutes as he does, because he was around like 29 minutes a game last year. Yeah. So and until someone gets the volume that Jordan Clarkson has seen and probably will continue to see, I'm just going to go with him. Well, uh, I, I think it's very interesting when you consider Jordan Poole and Jordan Clarkson. They're in a si similar situation where either one can play the shooting guard or the point guard, uh, but they're both that first man off the bench and and have should have that green light, right? And so – we both are seeing similar things as far as how it will come to fruition. It's just a difference of which Jordan it is. Yeah. Uh, executive of the year, Foo. Oh, you, you already know. I don't. See, this is the thing. I, like, I can't even make educated guesses because I feel like some of your picks are – they're not bad picks by any means. You have good rationale. I just don't know what direction you go in for executive. We never talked about this. I, I, I have two. I have two written down. It's Bulls or Heat. Okay. And so it's either AK and Mark Eversley or it's Pat Riley. Uh, we, we talked about all offseason, you know, like Bulls did an unbelievable job and so did the Heat. And so I think the my pick for the Bulls – uh, getting this with Mark and AK is the jump they're going to make. The Heat were already really good. They had a tremendous offseason, but it's not like they had to reflip. The Bulls took a, uh, I don't know, like a, 
you know, like a solid Toyota Corolla. Reliable. Yeah, like a 20, you know, a 2008, like Toyota Corolla with like maybe some issues though. Like, you know, ah, you know, this is nice, but it's, it's time to trade in. And now they got a Corvette, <laughs> you know, like now they're fast. Like they really completely flipped that roster. And if they're as good as they should be in terms of wins, losses, ESPN has them at 19. Uh, Josh texted us during a recording said, uh, the Bulls are projected at 19. Are they joking? That's blasphemous. But that shows you where the media is on the Chicago Bulls versus where I see the Chicago Bulls, which says the media is going to be like, oh, wow, they're really good. And I'm going to be over here like, no shit, dude. Told you so. You're Thomas. Fair enough. Uh, Just Adam like last Mike, year when I said the Bucks were going to win the championship and the Hawks were the dark horse. It's it's like people should listen or something. Okay. That's why people are tuning into the podcast. All right. My executive of the year. This is my least favorite pick. And I, I just feel like everyone is going to go this direction and it sickens me. Rob Palenka. And oh, I, well, that, <laughs> that's the thing is like, I really feel like everyone, because you know, everyone likes the, I mean, I can't say everyone for whatever reason, the Los Angeles Lakers are the gold standard. Everyone talks about them, whether they're good or bad. And I just feel like, you know, everyone is just ooing and eyeing over ooh, Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and oh, Anthony Davis is there. Remember? Yeah. We brought him in a couple of years ago. Oh, we still have LeBron James. We, we trimmed the fat Rajon Rondo is back. It's, it's all these guys that are so past their prime, but everyone is still infatuated with. And you just know that you can't have awards that don't include a Laker. And yeah. it's terrible. It's a throwaway choice. But it's just one of those things where I feel like people are not going to be able to ignore them, whether they're good or bad. They're just good. It's the sexy pick. It's the trendy pick. And it's the pick that makes me want to puke at them. They made a ton it's of moves. You know? Yeah, they made a ton of moves. And if they play, you know, five seed basketball, four seed basketball, everyone's going to be like, oh, remember where they were last year? Oh, such an improvement. And oh, it's all because Rob Palinka brought in all these Hall of Famers. And it's just going to be like, oh, my gosh, get over it already. So I think this is going to be the choice. I hate it. <laughs> I personally would not pick this. But again, it's just because I feel like this is where everyone's mindset That's is. The narrative, yeah. They, they just love the Lakers so much and love the job that Rob Polinka has done bringing in this talent that it's going to be tough to ignore. I feel like all my picks are the, it's going to be tough to ignore them. I have that as like a little footnote at the bottom. I, I can't argue that one. All right. So next we have finals predictions. But, but before we go there, Kurt, I just drew a small C next to nine teams c means contender oh wow nine a third of the league nine i think that it is anybody's for the taking is <clears throat> out of those nine teams and so uh let's just talk about our contenders if you want to quickly uh take a, wow. take a look at your list um but i have three contenders out of the east the milwaukee bucks the brooklyn nets and the miami heat so I, well, shoot. Those are my top three teams out East. 
Do I think that the Miami Heat are realistic East contenders? No. Would it shock me if they got there? No. But in terms of actual contenders, people I, I would put money on to make it there, I would just put two and I would go Bucks and Nets. Okay. Yeah. The the Nets or Nets and the Bucks are definitely like ahead of them for a reason for me. Uh, I think that Heat's depth and the fragility of the Brooklyn Nets makes the Heat very interesting. If James Harden goes down again, it might be uh, Bucks Heat in the conference finals. Now, out West, I have six different teams. The same six teams that aren't in the play-in. Fair enough. I have two just because I and I like some of these teams. I could see it, but I feel like for some of them, I have to make like a really strong case, whereas other ones, it's just kind of like self-explanatory. Um, my Western Conference contenders, I have the Lakers and the Jazz. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. We're going to have a different finals matchup. That's for damn sure. Probably. Before, I'm just, I just want to throw this out here. If I was a casual viewer, well, I can't say casual. Um, that makes it sound like I don't know my basketball, which, yes, there are more people who know more than me, but I feel like I know more than most. Um, I would love to see, as a fan of the game, I feel like a really good matchup from an X's and O's standpoint and just like an overall thoroughness, I would love to see Jazz Heat in the wow. finals. Wow. That I feel like that would be really entertaining from a, maybe not the most talented teams, but you're going to have deep teams. You're going to have 12 guys who could potentially play for each team in that series. Really good defense. Every bucket is going to be earned. Two of the best coaches in the league from a schematic standpoint. I feel like that would be a really entertaining series. I would certainly go seven. That is not my pick. I just want that to happen because I think be it would be fun. it would be tremendous entertainment value. And I will say that the pick out of the West was harder for the pick out of the East for me. If you've been listening, you already know who I think is going to win the championship and come out of the East. Uh, but out West was so hard because I am looking at the Jazz and they're not the team I have in there. But I'm like, damn, they really could, you know? Um, they should. Yeah, we, we talked about that depth. It's like, if they do it, here's how it's going to happen. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It's the amazing Spider-Man. He can shoot. He can hoop. Drive to the hoop and score the ball. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Donovan Mitchell sure can ball. And everyone's going to have the t-shirts. He's going to be shooting webs out of his hands. He's going to be a hero. Marvel is going to Photoshop him and feature him in a film. And he's going to emerge as the superstar that I think he is. And frankly, if he doesn't get that tweaked ankle, maybe we're talking about a different finals, my friend. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell uh, was among the top in the NBA and, uh, shots attempted last year. He is the guy, but it's a superstars league. And in order for them to do that, he needs to go crazy in the playoffs, but I think he can. I think he can. I think you can make a legit case that he's the second best shooting guard in the NBA, depending on what position you consider James Harden. So who's your finals pick? You have Bucks over who? This is crazy, crazy. 
You're sitting down. That's good. You're going with Nuggets in seven. Now, the reason I think the Nuggets are my pick, because this is deep into the weeds, man. This is some conspiracy theory stuff. But here's here's what's going to happen. The Nuggets are going to be a solid basketball team most of the year. They're going to be the four seed going in. They're, N- Nikola Jokic is going to put up incredible numbers. Michael Porter Jr. is going to emerge as the second best scorer on that team. He's going to have some 50-point games. He's going to have like a 28-10 and 10 year. He's going to be awesome. Jamal Murray is going to come back. I'm going to guess like February, maybe March. They're going to be conservative with him. He's going to take a, he's going to come back in just enough time to build chemistry with the Nuggets as they approach the playoffs. But this isn't going to give enough time. And this is the key. This is not going to give enough time for their opponents to have a proper scouting report and understand the identity of the Denver Nuggets in a small sample size. A lot of these teams, when they play the Nuggets in the playoffs, it's going to be their first time seeing Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray on the floor together with Aaron Gordon and in an elevated Michael Porter Jr. And so that is going to cause problems. And it is already one of the hardest teams to match up against because you look at the Western Conference and it's not close who the best center in the West is. It's Jokic. Like you talk about the best center in the leagues. It's, it's Jokic, Embiid. Then it's Bam. Then you could say it's Capella over Rudy Gobert. Sorry, folks. That's the truth. Clint Capella's that underrated. Then you got your DeAndre Aytons. Nikola Jokic is going to eat against the West in the playoffs. And what did I just say about Donovan Mitchell? You need a superstar to superstar. Jokic didn't have any help in the playoffs last year. That's going to be different this year. And I think that it's going to be exciting, but you saw what they did in the bubble coming down from three, one, two games in a row. This is a team that adjusts super well game to game that bodes well in the playoffs. They're going to have the pieces. And I think the one of the things a casual fan, as you mentioned, might not understand is when you're talking about Jamal Murray, you can't not talk about Nikola Jokic. The two-man game that they have and the things you can do to the defense by having two elite playmakers on the floor at the same time that can bring you inside out better than any tandem in the history of the NBA is going to create opportunities for Michael Porter Jr. It's going to create backdoor looks for Aaron Gordon. Michael, uh, Will Barton, I always want to say Michael Barton. I, I don't know why, but uh, Will Barton is also a really n- good playmaker. They have a team of playmakers. They're an improved team defensively. Jamal Murray was one of the best perimeter defenders in the league last year. I think that they are going to have a riddle for the rest of the West. And the riddle is going to be, who are we with Jamal Murray? How do you stop us? And I don't think that there is a team in the Western Conference that has six dogs, six teams that could go there. I don't think anyone's going to have an answer to solve that riddle. I like your picks. I want your picks to happen. I really do. You are going to need a waste basket or a barf bag to hear my pick. 
let me see. It's the Nets, and it's against – is it the Lakers? Yes. Everyone else is too, but I can't blame you. That's the, that's the obvious pick. It's sickening. It's sickening. And my rationale is less about the stats and more about what I've seen in the past. Kevin Durant, best basketball player in the world for five years and counting. Hopefully, James Harden is healthy at that point. I think that would be uh, great entertainment value. Is Kyrie there? Is Kyrie not there? I don't care. Nets in the finals. Then for the Lakers. Oh, Adam. How many times have we seen LeBron act his way to a foul? How many times have we seen, you know, the, the flailing and the talking to the refs? And you can't tell me that the Lakers or anyone on LeBron's team or LeBron himself doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in a lot of situations. I just feel like if the Lakers are remotely healthy, then they're going to be able to get on. You know, they have some talent. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like they're going to get a lot of calls. Maybe there's some injuries to some other teams. And I just feel like they are somehow, some way going to skate underneath the radar and get into the NBA Finals. And it's going to be Nets over Lakers in six games, which I would not be upset about because there's nothing that brings me more joy than watching LeBron lose in NBA Finals. You know what's crazy is if things go exactly how projected, that's going to be a first-round matchup, Lakers-Nuggets. And you know who, if healthy, matches up with the Nuggets better than anyone in the league is the Lakers because they have the big bodies to put on Jokic. They're going to be able to uh, guard really well. The Lakers are an elite defensive team, an elite rebounding team. Do they have the shooting? Are they going to be healthy? Is AD day-to-day Davis going to uh, stay healthy? Carmelo Anthony's got a lot of miles and then got kept in the garage for a while too. I don't know how that motor's running. We'll see. Uh, LeBron James, he's an injury concern at this point in his career. We got to be real. I think they're fragile. I hope they are. Again, Adam, I I hate these picks. I hate them. I I, I, I just feel like this is the way that it's going to go. I have the Lakers in the finals. Rob Palenka, executive of the year. Steve Nash's coach, MVP, Kevin Durant. Like, I wish there was more parity. But unfortunately, the top dogs, the most popular teams, the big markets, seemingly always find a way there unless you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you get big breaks with injuries to other teams and same with the Phoenix Suns out West, which injuries aren't really something that we can forecast. But at the same time, you know, when you had Bucks over Suns last year, in my opinion, those were not the two best teams in the league. So of course on paper with, you know, people healthy for the most part, or at least going to be healthy at some point down the road. I think the only team that is really in an unfortunate situation is the Clippers because they're not going to get a superstar back, or if they get a superstar back, it might be too late. Uh, Murray's coming back. Clay Thompson's coming back. Anthony Davis right now, healthy. So, I, again, I want your pick so badly to happen, Adam. Oh, man, I would love to see some teams that we don't see typically in these positions be in these positions. Having said that, I will stay, Pat, and stay in my stance here until those teams are eliminated, then I will get a, a nice deep breath and I will exhale and then I'll be much more happy. But right now, man, the, the Nets getting a lot of love, which I don't like. The Lakers getting a lot of love. I really don't like. I hope that some of these other teams can really rise to the occasion. I, I think the Bucks, uh 
because I, I went forever on the Nuggets. It's more obvious with the Bucks, so I, so I didn't get into detail. But I think they're a better team than last year. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo and Grayson Allen can both pay, play some point guard. George Hill is their backup point guard, who's already done a nice job with them in years past. Uh, Drew Holiday is your starting point guard, obviously. But, like, that's a really nice backcourt. And DiVincenzo, Connaughton, Allen, Drew, and Hill are all really good defenders. We know who Giannis is. He's the best in the world. We know mm-hmm. who Middleton is. And then you got Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. Like this team got better. They should have all the confidence in the world right now. And I think that they feel disrespected. And I think that it, like they have an abnormal amount of chalkboard material for a team that just won the world championship. Uh, I think that the Bucks have the best combination of offense, defense, and star power in the NBA. And that's enough to make the difference for me, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's the Jazz, whether it's the Nuggets. I will say, I feel very confident the Nets could knock them out. It's going to be the Nets or the Bucks. But when and if, when or if the Bucks play the Warriors, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Mavs, the Suns, or the Jazz, they'll beat them. Jazz will be a hell of a matchup, though. As long as the Lakers don't win, everyone wins. Amen to that. I think that's exactly where we should leave off. Uh, thank you to the Wax Cowboy, Evan Butris. He made our logo. If you like it, check him out. Slide into the DMs, the Wax Cowboy on Instagram. Uh, yeah, you know, let's do a, sh- a few shout outs. Uh, the Full Court Trap, come back soon. The music made for that is uh, Brian Fogarty. You can find him on Instagram. These are Shapes. Uh, if you'd like to play on the trap, slide into our DMs. Oopstradamus PC on the Twitter machine. Oopstradamus Pod on the Instagram. And, uh, you know, we'll make it happen for you. Uh, already some people wanting to participate in that. Always a fun time. If you haven't listened to any of those episodes, go look at our episodes. Uh, find the ones that say Full Court Trap. Excellent trivia contest. Um, and then, yeah, uh, uh, shout out to our team. Uh, we, we got Hamia Rain, uh, Coach Leo, uh, Stefano. We'll hopefully get Kevin Roney on the pod more. Uh, Jake Shapiro is going to be our Nuggets guy this year. Uh, we got my cousin JT McCarthy is going to be our uh, Phoenix Suns guy this year. We got Andrea Urban out in Utah, our Utah Jazz uh, specialist. She's always got her ear on the pulse there in Utah. So we got a great team. We got a great team. And of course, Coach Roney, thank you. Uh, stepping up to the Stars leagues this year. He's looking for a bigger role. And you'll, you'll be a good catch and shoot option. You'll be getting buckets this year. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. It's a friendly rating if you're enjoying it so far. Thank you.